This morning we are continuing our series that we're into this summer called Tell Me a Story, Jesus. And uh, I'm using this because we lost our wireless somewhere last week. If you happen to spot it, let me know. We've been looking all over for it. All summer long we've been talking through the stories that Jesus told, and uh, they're found in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, what do we call these stories? Steve, would you hit on this light right here too, please? Thank you. What do we call these stories? Anybody? Parables, okay. Yeah, well, I should know that. And what is a parable? A story, okay, thanks. <laughs> Okay, it uses real-life examples to do what? Teach a lesson, Teach a, lesson a, a greater lesson, a spiritual lesson, okay, and an eternal lesson. So you use the temporal to teach the eternal. You teach what's known to teach something that they are unaware of up to this point. Often Jesus' parables were metaphors or similes. They, they kind of compared things, you know. Uh, this is like this, and, and in a very simple way. That's what we're going to look at today. Two of these parables that are very, very short. Not a lot said here, but there's an awful lot to think about, and a lot to, to contemplate and meditate on today. And so Jesus said, the kingdom is like a mustard seed. The kingdom is like yeast that a woman worked into a lump of dough. The kingdom is like this or that, and often the Parables of Jesus are there. With these two parables, Jesus brought into their minds two of the smallest things that people had ever experienced. Things that people would know in all the categories of all the big things, the small things, the medium-sized things. This goes down to about as small as they could possibly think of. And he's saying the kingdom is like these very, very small things. You may think these things are small. You may think they're insignificant. But they're not when you put them in the hands of God. Something great can come from even these smallest things. Now, I have a gift for each of you today, and I went in uh, get about four of these guys right here to each take a basket and start passing these out as quickly as you can. Uh, you will recognize this right off the bat, probably, as a packet of yeast. This is Red Star yeast. Some of you use Fleischmann's, I know. I'm sorry if I didn't choose your brand. But this is my gift to you today. And all I want you to do at this point is hold on to it. Keep it in your hands. Maybe look at it. Maybe read the packaging. Realize that, you know, if you take this out and you mix it up with certain other things... Something happens. A chemical process begins. And it changes whatever it comes into contact with. Okay, that's as far as we're going to go with that. But everybody get a packet of yeast. Hold it in your hand as we go into the sermon today. We're going to look in two Gospels where the short parables of today are found. In Matthew and in Luke. We're going to be looking at Matthew 13 and Luke 13. So it's really easy for you to find these. And if you don't have a Bible in front of you, just read from the screen. First of all, from Matthew 13, starting verse 31. He told him another parable, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. 
Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Skipping over to Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 18. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Main thought I want you to, to get this morning is really, really simple. You've probably heard the phrase before, but I want you to just gravitate towards this phrase and keep mulling it over in your mind as we go through the Word of God together. And that phrase is simply this, little is much when God is in it. You've heard that. Would you say that with me, please? Little is much when God is in it. Good. Little is much when God is in it. So this very small seed, which you saw in the video, I mean, just minuscule, little seed, this, this thing that could just quickly be crushed or blow away in the wind, can become a tree. A tiny microscopic amount of leaven can change a 60-pound lump of bread dough. I mean, this is amazing stuff here that Jesus is talking about. Because little is much when God is in it. Three points I want to make this morning. I want you to think through the, the kind of the expressions of this, the applications of this amazing reality that Jesus is revealing here. First of all, a little bit of faith can go a long way because little is much when God is in it. Secondly, no Christian is too small to make a difference. Little is much when God is in it. And thirdly, a small church can have a mega church impact because little is much when God is in it. A little bit of faith can go a long way. Let's think about that for a minute this morning. Do you dare to believe in God? Do you dare to believe that God can and will do something in your life? That he will do something in the lives of the people you care about? Do you believe that? Even if it's a small, minuscule amount of faith, yes, I believe that. God can begin there, and God can use you to his glory. Even if you have a little bit of faith, God will move. God will answer your prayers. God will act. And why? Because he loves it when his children believe in him. He loves it when we put our confidence in him and not in ourselves. If you trust his word, if you trust what he has promised, God will reward even the smallest, simplest act of faith that you're capable of. And you may think, man, I just don't have as much faith as somebody else. God says, let's start where you are. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Do you believe that he is the Savior of the world? Do you believe that I can, can, can fulfill my promises? Let's begin there. And let's grow in our faith. Jesus said in another place, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. Another gospel says, be thrown into the sea. You know, if you have just a little bit of faith, like this mustard seed, 
you can do great things for God. Nothing will be impossible for you, he says, Matthew 17, 20. In the parable for this morning, the mustard seed grew into a tree large enough for birds to perch in. And if you exercise your small faith, if you put it into play, if you put it into practice, it too will grow. And it will become more than you have now. But it needs to be expressed. It needs to be uh, exercised by putting your faith in God. And why is it that it will grow? Because God's faithful. God is good for it. God is trustworthy. He never fails. He never breaks his promises. He never disappoints. He may not answer the way we wanted to sometimes, but he always comes through with his will in just the right time. And you can count on it. And when you put your faith in God, that faith is going to grow because God's always good for what he said. And you can't help but trust him more and more. In Mark 9.17, there's a man who came to Jesus and he was worried about his son who was demon-possessed and he's the son is a danger to himself. He's throwing himself in the fire. He's throwing himself down on the ground. He's trying to drown himself sometimes because these demons had control of his life. And so the man came to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, Lord, you know, if you can, have pity on us and do something about our son. And Jesus replied, he says, if you can, uh, <laughs> if you can, he says, uh, you know, I, I want you to just trust me some more here. Everything is possible for the man who believes. But you must express that belief. Faith is trusting God to be good for whatever he has promised. Faith is confidence in God. That he will act and he will move according to his word. Faith is putting ourselves in God's hand like that little seed in the man's hand in the video and say, God, this is what I've got. Take this faith and use it to your glory. And I trust you that it's going to grow. Second thing, no Christian is too small to make a difference. Little is much when God is in it. Let me ask you a question this morning. I want everybody to just be honest. Don't worry about anybody else seeing your hand because I think you're going to be surprised with how many hands grow up. And this is the question this morning. How many of you, as a Christian, have felt too small to make a difference? Yeah. Most of us have felt that. There have been times in our life where we felt like, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I could step in. I, I see the problem. I see the injustice. I see what's going on in somebody's life. I see you know, life crushing them, but there's really nothing I can do. We see some ministry that the church is trying to do, and, and maybe somebody's all excited about it. They're promoting that. And where our immediate reaction is, I can't do that. I, I don't. I don't think I'm qualified. I don't think I, I can contribute. And so we, we hang back in the shadows and we refuse to take that step forward of faith. What I want to encourage you today with these uh, parables is for Jesus to be saying to you, doesn't matter how small you think you are. Doesn't matter how small you really are. You know, in, in truth, we are small. We are insignificant. But God says that doesn't matter because when I'm added to your life, when I'm added to the equation, then a great difference can happen here. Not because of you, but because of me. There's an African proverb that says, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try spending the night in a closed room with a mosquito. <laughs> this time of year, I say, 
Try spending the afternoon out here in this muggy, hot weather with some gnats. Oh, man, they're small, but they are pests, aren't they? They can make a difference. As small as they are, it can make a difference. If you think you're too small, look at the ant. Just sit there on the sidewalk, you know, and watch these ants doing this amazing stuff. And they're so small, it could be crushed easily. And yet God is using them, and God can use us. The power of God is available to each of us and to all of us. Remember, Jesus said, nothing will be impossible with you. Everything is possible for him who believes. And I want you to turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bible, open that up, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want you to see something here that is, that is really neat about the, the uh, body of Christ, uh, the, the family of God. And in this teaching that Paul gives to the church at Corinth, he's explaining the Spirit and how the Spirit wants to be expressed, to be uh, uh, useful uh, of every human being, every person within the body of Christ. And he starts off by saying in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And then notice what he says in verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another uh, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in, in tongues, different kinds of tongues. And still another interpretation of tongues. Then notice what he says, verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one, just as he determines. To each one. You are part of the body of Christ. You are part of the family of God. And the Holy Spirit, who has already cleansed you, who has already indwelt you, wants to use your life to God's glory. And he has already gifted you in some way. You need to figure out what that is. And you need to be willing to be used to God's glory. Because each of us is already gifted by God to serve. In Ephesians 3.20, the Apostle Paul said that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Now, do you catch that? Two things. First of all, God is able. God is able to do more than you could ever imagine. But secondly, that ability, that amazing, unlimited ability has been crafted in such a way that it comes into us and empowers us, enables us to do things we would never imagine were possible. That power is at work within you and me. Isn't that amazing? that the power of God that created the universe, that the power of God that can bring healing and wholeness to people's lives, the power of God that can raise the dead and make the dumb speak and, and make those who are deaf hear, all of the things that Jesus did here on earth, that same power is in you. That same power is in me. And how often do I forget that? How often do I go under my own steam and it's not near enough? How often do I count on my thoughts and my intelligence and my skills and my, my level of endurance when there is so much more 
that God wants for each of His children. God works best through people like us that are small and insignificant. God works best through people that, that uh, you think, there's no way He could use them. And that really gives me hope. I mean, they're just full of examples in the Bible of this. Uh, let me point out a couple of them. One is the little boy who gave his lunch to Jesus. Remember? Had thousands of people to feed. And nobody had any food that day. The only one was a little boy whose mother packed a lunch for him. And so he hands it to the disciples. And Jesus prays over that little bit of food. And he feeds 5,000 or more people. And they pick up basketfuls at the end left over. This is, this is what God is capable of. And he takes his little boy's lunch and he feeds thousands of people. Or think about David, the youngest son of Jesse, who we studied last week in Vacation Bible School, and how uh, the prophet came and, and named him the next king. He's the youngest of the family. Everybody discredited him. The only one step in line, and maybe he's going to choose me, and the next one, the next one, the next one. And finally, he has to say, don't you have any other sons? Because God hasn't put the right guy in front of me yet. And Jesse has to say, well, there's one more, but he's just a kid. He's out in the field watching the sheep. Well, bring him in. I'm not going to sit down until he comes. And he comes, and he recognizes him. And why is David chosen? Because God doesn't look at the outward appearance, but he sees the heart. And he chooses this boy whose heart is right with God to become the next king of Israel. And some think the greatest king that Israel ever had. Now, David quickly goes on to another event which also shows small is big. He takes on Goliath. And remember in 1 Samuel 17 where it talks about how Goliath had challenged the arm of Israel and this giant of a, a warrior is out there and everybody's shaking in their armor. And David says, I'll take him on because you can't insult God that way. And he picks up this little sling and this little stone and he kills Goliath. Little is much when God is in it. Or think of Gideon. Gideon's out there afraid of the Midianites. And Gideon is, is uh, hiding down in a wine press, you know, and trying to, to get the grain off of the wheat. So he's, he's down inside this pit trying to throw the grain up in the air so that, you know, the chaff will blow away. It's kind of an impossible situation, but that's how scared he is. The angel appears, and the first thing he says is, Hail to you, mighty warrior. Gideon looks around like, what? <laughs> You're not talking to me. I'm down here hiding in the wine press. I'm trying to eke out a living here. Who are you talking to? And he raises him up as a leader of an army. And too many people show up for the army. So remember, God turns down the army from 32,000 down to 300. And they go against the Midianites of 120,000, 300 to 1 odds. And they win. And God says the reason for that is, I don't want you get to, to get the glory. I want to get the glory. I want everybody to know that it was God came and delivered his people. Little is much when God is in it. What about you and me? Where are we today? You see, when you think of the mustard seed, you think of the leaven, the yeast. No Christian is too small to make a difference in this world. No matter what you think of yourself, you are big enough with God to make a difference. Thirdly, a small church can have a mega church impact. Now, we're a congregation of about 125 to 150 people on average. We're certainly not the smallest church around. There are churches of a dozen or less. There are churches of 50 or 60. But we also know that there are churches right in our immediate area of several thousand. 
maybe two, three, four thousand people. And sometimes we get feeling like, man, we're small, we're insignificant. And just like we had that feeling as a Christian, feeling too small and insignificant to make a difference, churches can get that attitude. Churches can start thinking, you know, we've been at this 120 or 30 for a while now. Maybe we can't make a difference in anybody's life, but I want to tell you we can. I want to tell you that God works not just through thousands of people, but he works through individual people. And the truth of it is that what God does is one by one. No matter how many people are assembled, it might be 5,000 people assembled for a certain event or a certain activity, but God is still working on individual hearts. And if there's 50 people or 120 people gathered there, he's still working on individual hearts. The change that happens is not a group change so much as it is individual change. It is transformation of a life and a heart and a soul. And that happens no matter how many people are there. If it's you with your neighbor, you with your co-worker, or you with your mom or dad or your sister or your brother, and you are telling them about Jesus Christ and God changes their life, had no difference as to whether you belong to a congregation of 120 or 120,000. doesn't matter. Because what God is doing is on an individual level. And Jesus Christ is saving people individually, not collectively in groups of a dozen or more. And so a small church can have a mega church impact. There you have it. A little bit of faith can go a long way. No Christian is too small to make a difference. And a small church can have a megachurch impact because little is much when God is in it. You see, in all three cases, the difference is God, not us, isn't it? It's because he's part of it. It doesn't have anything to do with you or me. We are small. We are insignificant. We are weak. We are frail. We are easily fooled. We are easily worn out. We are easily tricked. However you want to put it, we are small and insignificant in and of ourselves. But when God comes into the mix, and God empowers, and God enables, and God directs, and, and God makes whatever is going to happen, happen, then little is much when God is in it. So we offer up our circumstances to God. I don't know what your circumstances are today. You may be totally broken. You may be confused. You may have all kinds of trouble in your life that you're not willing to own up to or to talk to anybody about. God takes those circumstances when you exercise your faith as a mustard seed and God does something amazing, something miraculous with your life. And we take our individual lives and abilities and foibles, small and weak though we may be, and when we trust that God will use them, he does. And he, he makes things happen and he changes other people's lives. And he does so much more than we would ever do on our own. And we, we take our faith, mustard seed faith, and we offer it up to God on behalf of our church. And we say, we're just a little church. We're just a small group of people compared to other groups of people. But we are committed people. And we love the Lord and we serve the Lord. We want God to move in this place. We may be small and weak in the eyes of the world, but we are going to stake our faith and our confidence in Jesus Christ. And we are going to trust that through us, he's going to touch many people's lives for Jesus through a ministry called New Hope Christian Church.
Because it doesn't matter about that ministry. It matters that God did what God wanted to do. When we focus on ourselves, our faults, our, our weaknesses, our limitations, we may conclude logically that we are insignificant. But when we focus on God, it changes the whole dynamic. And it changes what can happen. And now our mustard seed faith, our yeast witness, small as they may be, can be used by God to change lives. Now God can use our mustard seed faith and our yeast witness to reach those who are lost and bring them to Christ. David Dyke said, when yeast comes in contact with bread dough, it serves as a catalyst. It sets off a chemical reaction called fermentation. It creates enzymes that change the starch molecules in the flour into sugar, which in turn creates carbon dioxide and, and alcohol. And this, this bubbling happens in there, and it creates air and space within that dough. And it, it causes the bread to rise, and it becomes so much more delicious than unleavened bread. The bread dough changes and it can never be the same again. That's a great picture, he says, of how we should be impacting our culture. As yeast infiltrates bread dough and changes it, so we should be influencing our culture for Christ. As yeast makes bread better, so we should be a force for good in this world. But there's more to it. Because we're not talking a physical reality. Remember, this is a parable. There is a spiritual truth. There is an eternal truth to be grasped here. And Jesus is teaching not, not that your life would be better here on earth, but that life would be changed forever by his power when we put our faith in him. Yeast that stays in the container is worthless. They package this in a foil wrapper because when it's opened, it has to be used. When it's opened, it's going to change something, whatever it comes into contact with. But if you stay in the package, none of that can happen. Now, what kind of yeast are we? Are we in the package or have we gotten out? Are we mixing with the world around us, influencing, impacting people for Christ? Are we hiding back behind the walls of this building and saying, boy, I hope nobody bothers me. I hope nobody hurts me. We've already lost if that's where we are. Now, what are we supposed to do with these yeast packets today? I'm, I gave it to you. What do I want you to do with it? Well, I thought about having yeast go home and make something really good <laughs> and bring it back for the preacher to enjoy. But that's probably the wrong idea. <laughs> I would enjoy that but that would fall short of the purpose. I want you to take this pack at home. At some point, I want you to open it, look what's inside, and realize that that is symbolizing the opening of your own life. You may want to keep the package. You may want to pray. You may want to tape it to your bathroom mirror or somewhere, or you know, put it up on the dashboard of your car, somewhere that reminds you, this is what I am, and I can't stay in the package. I've got to get out, and I've got to make a difference in this world. You may think that you're small and insignificant, and you are. I am. But what changes all of that is God. When we give him our faith, we put our trust in him, 
then amazing things start to happen. Let me share some lyrics with you that Kitty L. Suffield wrote many years ago to a song. She said this, In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling to the harvest, calling you. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown, and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. In the mad rush of the broad way, in the hurry and the strife, tell of Jesus' love and mercy. Give to them the word of life. Does the place you're called to, to labor, seem so small and little known? It is great when God is in it, and he'll not forget his own. Are you laid aside from service, body worn from toil and care? You can still be in the battle, in the sacred place of prayer. When the conflict here is ended and our race on earth is run, he will say, if we are faithful, welcome home, my child. Well done. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be with us today as we hold these packets in our hands and we think about our own life. Whether we're thinking about the yeast that's inside the package needing to get out or whether we think about that mustard seed so small and, and uh, unimportant, and we think about the difference that you make when we yield ourselves to you, when we put ourselves in your hands. We pray that each of us would realize how significant our lives can be when you use them. When you reach someone else, we just open our mouths. We just show some act of kindness. We show concern and compassion. Uh, we take time for someone and we tell them about Jesus. What a difference you can make, Lord. We yield our lives to you. We put our faith in you. And we ask that you take our mustard seed faith and our yeast witness and use them to your glory. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand.